and welcome to the Renew Your Thinking podcast series. In a world filled with many different viewpoints and opinions, these podcasts will examine issues, current events, historical events, and cultural movements, all in the light of God's Word. Our goal is to help you as you seek to love and serve God with your whole heart, soul, and mind. In this first series of stories, we will study about some significant historical figures. In the next nine podcasts, we'll talk about women in the Old Testament, specifically the women who were the ancestors of the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, there was a long line of women who came before Jesus in his family tree. But we'll focus on the stories of the women who are named in the Bible, starting with Eve, then Sarah, Rebecca, Leah, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba, and we will finish the series with Jesus' mother, Mary. While telling these women's stories, we'll be taking a trip through the Old Testament. We will see how they fit into God's plan of redemption through His Son, Jesus Christ. Each woman's story is unique and interesting. What they share in common, besides being ancestors of Jesus, is that they were all faithful women. We'll always read the stories directly from the scriptures to avoid confusion and misinformation. I'll be reading from the New International Version of the Bible for those who are following along. We have been studying about the women who were the ancestors of the Lord Jesus Christ. So far, we have talked about Eve, Sarah, Rebecca, Leah, Tamar, and Rahab. The seventh woman who was a forerunner of Jesus that is named in the Bible was Ruth. In the coming weeks, we will study about Bathsheba and Mary. Let's do a little review before we begin the story of Ruth. In our last story, we saw that an unlikely woman, Rahab, married into the family who were ancestors of Jesus Christ. Because she helped Joshua's spies escape from Jericho, the foreigner, Rahab, and her family had been protected while the Israelites marched into Jericho and destroyed the entire city. After the conquest of most of the rest of Canaan by Joshua and the Israelites, the promised land was divided into parts, each one a permanent place for each of the twelve tribes. Rahab and her husband, Salmon, lived in the part of Canaan that would belong to the tribe of Judah. They had children, and their descendants would carry on the line through which Jesus would come. About four hundred years passed for the Israelites in the promised land, during which time they were ruled by judges. This was a period of ups and downs for the Israelites, depending on whether they were being obedient to God or not. Somewhere near the end of the period of the judges, a man named Boaz, who was the descendant of Salmon and Rahab, lived in Bethlehem. He probably didn't know it, but he would be chosen by God to marry an unlikely foreign woman and become the ancestor of the Savior. Turn to the book of Ruth, and let's begin with chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, 
his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of the two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephathrites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. Elimelech had left Judah to live in Moab because of a famine. He died there, leaving his wife Naomi with two sons, Malon and Kilion. The sons married women from Moab. Then the sons both died, leaving Naomi a widow and a bereaved mother. Sometime later, Naomi heard the Lord was blessing the land of Israel again with food, so she decided to return to Bethlehem. At first, her daughters-in-law started to follow her. She encouraged them to turn back and get themselves new husbands and a new life in their own land. Orpah decided to turn back, but Ruth wanted to stay with Naomi. Through all of the hardship and sorrow of losing her husband and sons, Naomi had apparently kept a strong faith in God. Ruth had noticed the unwavering faith of her mother-in-law, and she wanted to be a worshiper of Naomi's God. Naomi's God was loving and provided for his people. The God of the Moabites was cruel and demanding. Ruth no longer wanted to be a part of the worship of the chief God of the Moabites, Chemosh. Chemosh demanded worship that involved erotic imagery and unspeakably lewd conduct. Everything you could imagine that was abominable was practiced by the Moabites. In fact, the worship of the Moabite idol Chemosh often involved human sacrifice. Ruth rejected this evil, false religion. Ruth had had a genuine conversion experience and decided to trust Yahweh to take care of her no matter what. So we should not be surprised that she wanted to return to the land of Naomi's people when the possibility presented itself. She begged Naomi to take her along to Bethlehem. Here are her words, familiar to many as promises made in wedding ceremonies. But here, in Ruth, chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, Ruth's promises are to Naomi and God. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, 
if even death separates you and me. This petition to Naomi is the response of a grateful woman. Ruth had been saved by grace and was anxious to follow God after her redemption. Ruth believed at this time that she could show her gratitude to God by taking care of Naomi, and so she wanted to go with Naomi. Look at verse 22. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. The two women returned to Bethlehem, the home of Naomi's people. It is interesting to note that to get back into Judah, they would have crossed the Jordan River, just about where Joshua and the Israelites would have crossed nearly 400 years before. They were returning to the Promised Land. When Naomi arrived in Bethlehem, her neighbors welcomed her. For her sake, they also welcomed the Moabite Ruth, even though she was a foreigner. It soon became clear that Ruth had been converted. Word spread of her love and care for Naomi and her desire to follow the one true God. Now the women needed to provide for themselves, but Naomi chose to get help from a kinsman of her husband. Naomi turned to Boaz, expecting him to honor his obligation to care for poor relatives. This he would do by allowing Ruth to glean in his fields. Boaz not only allowed Ruth to glean in his fields, but he even provided for her protection. It was not safe to go to the fields alone as a woman. The men were often rough and could be drinking or carousing after work. Boaz had heard the report from his neighbors about Ruth. Turn to chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with the people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Notice that by his words, Boaz revealed himself to be a devout follower of God. Boaz gave the credit to God for taking care of Ruth. Boaz saw himself as only the humble instrument used by God to do right by his poor relatives. Boaz went further and even asked his servants to make the gleaning easy for Ruth. And so Ruth gleaned each day and took it home to Naomi. When Naomi realized that it was Boaz who was helping Ruth and the extent of his help for her, she asked God to bless Boaz. Naomi then had a further thought. That man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Naomi advised Ruth to stay close to the maiden servants of Boaz had recommended. Naomi did not want Ruth assaulted by the men in the other fields. Besides, she had another idea. When we look at the story of Tamar, we learn that according to the Leveret Law from Deuteronomy 25, 5-10, a brother could try and give a child to the widow so that his dead brother could have an heir. If there were no brothers, another close relative could fulfill the responsibility. 
In Tamar's case, for example, her father-in-law fulfilled the requirements of the Leveret law. Boaz, as a near relative, was the official guardian of the honor and the property of his relatives. Even beyond just the duty that a brother-in-law might perform, Boaz could act as a kinsman-redeemer, a male relative who was still single and could marry the widow and father the offspring who would inherit the name and the property of the one who had died. Naomi knew all of this. She then gave advice to Ruth that has been seen as controversial ever since. She bade Ruth to wash and dress nicely and go and lie at the feet of Boaz late at night when he retired for the evening in the threshing barn. Ruth was to uncover his feet and wait for him to react. So one night, Boaz celebrated the good harvest with his workers and then went to lie down at the end of a heap of grain on the threshing floor. Perhaps this was to be ready for an early start in the morning. In any event, Boaz retired for the night, never suspecting a surprising turn of events. Let's turn to Ruth 3, verses 8 to 14, and continue this amazing story. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good, let him redeem you. But if he's not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized, and he said, No one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. Ruth had asked Boaz to spread his cover over her. Putting a covering over Ruth was symbolic and did not mean that he slept with her. Boaz was also a devout Israelite, and he knew the proper thing to do. He asked Ruth to give him a chance to arrange things legally. The people who had observed what a wonderful woman Ruth was would be happy to hear that she would be provided for. Boaz told Ruth to wait until the morning. He asked Ruth to depart at a time that would not cause gossip. In part, he was saying, Don't worry about what this must look like. Gossips will not accuse you of playing the harlot. She was then to return home, but not empty-handed. He gave her six measures of barley to take to Naomi. Ruth returned home and told Naomi everything. Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. 
Boaz was aware that there was another relative who was closer who could have redeemed the family property of Elimelech. So Boaz met with the man and went through a ceremony whereby they settled the issue. Ruth was the widow of Malon who would have inherited all of Elimelech's property. This might have been attractive to a close relative, but he was not willing to marry Ruth in order to claim the property. He felt that his own inheritance would somehow be in jeopardy. And so, passing over a sandal as an attestation of the finished contract, the relative passed over the privilege and responsibility to Boaz. Boaz then proclaimed to all the elders and all the people that he had redeemed all that belonged to Elimelech and to Malon and Kilion. He also proclaimed his intention of marrying Ruth, so that Elimelech's name would not be cut off from his people. Let's turn to Ruth chapter 4 verse 11 and read how the people reacted when Boaz proclaimed his upcoming marriage to Ruth. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, who Tamar bore to Judah. How exciting that we can look back and see more in these words than even the Israelites knew at the time themselves. We see the lineage of the Savior through Leah and Tamar. We see affirmation of Tamar, the mother of Perez. Of course, Perez would have been the chieftain of the tribe of Judah, their own patriarch. There is only praise, not condemnation here for Tamar. We also see their acceptance of a foreigner, Ruth, into the family of God. Though God had forbidden marriage to foreigners for the Israelites, Ruth was accepted just as Rahab, her husband's ancestor, was accepted. God is sovereign, and He chose these women and blessed them. Turn to chapter 4, verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. At the end of chapter 4, we find out that Obed is the name of that son. Then we are told that Obed is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Ruth was rewarded for her faithfulness with a godly mother-in-law, a godly husband, and a godly son who would continue the line of ancestors for the Lord Jesus Christ. The story of Ruth is the seventh of our sessions about the female ancestors of the Lord Jesus Christ. Join us next time when we continue with the story of Bathsheba, the eighth named ancestor of the Lord Jesus. We value your input. Be sure to share your thoughts with us by commenting on the podcast. Also, invite your friends to listen in as well by sharing this podcast on social media.